Hello, Duncan Green here with a uh, extra long roundup of two weeks worth of From Poverty to Power posts because I was on holiday last week. Um, so buckle up for a slightly longer than usual summary if you don't mind. So the first uh, yeah, Tuesday before last was a wonderful riposte to The Economist from Prachi Srivastava of the University of Western Ontario. The Economist periodically has these kind of pains to private education and how great it is that private education is spreading across uh, developing countries. And yeah, the, the Economist loves it. It's no longer owned by the Pearson Group, a big educationalist, but it, it seems to linger. The effect seems to linger. Um, Prachi comes back to respond to one of their latest big briefings on this and says, basically, you know, keep up, guys. There's a whole lot of new research coming out. There's far more nuance required. You can't keep making these broad brush assertions. And I thought she gave a really good nuanced evidence-based response, rather more nuanced and evidence-based, it seems, than The Economist itself. So brilliant. Thank you, Prachi. That was excellent. Um, the following day, Scott Guggenheim, who's this kind of guru uh, from uh, who, who kind of single-handedly promoted a whole load of work around community-driven development. Um, he appeared from nowhere on my emails to say that I was being hopelessly naive in, in, uh, in the, what I was writing about Mindanao, where I was uh, last month, and um, wrote a really nice, in the end, I made him turn his email into a blog post because it was really good. And he talked about both the, the political situation in Mindanao after the peace agreement and what's likely to happen next, and then some really good cautionary tales about how INGOs and aid agencies come in and gut, after a peace agreement, they can gut uh, the uh, local NGOs and local state by just giving better paid jobs to everybody. Um, and then some very nice stuff about learning from Aceh and the experience in Aceh after the tsunami and the peace agreement there. So brilliant piece from Scott. Uh, the next day was um, actually a, a bit of Swedish uh, advocacy. So Robert Hergland from Oxfam Sweden has been involved in some climate uh, advocacy in Sweden, which I thought was really interesting, where they've, they're, they're lobbying the government to change the way it measures carbon emissions. Sounds a bit techy, but it's really important because increasingly the countries in Europe are importing their carbon emissions via production in China and so on. So if you only measure the emissions that are produced in your own country, you miss out, in the case of Sweden, you miss out on half the emissions you're actually responsible for. So then Europe can prance about saying, oh, look, we've reduced our emissions, and all they've really done is outsourced their emitting to other countries who they then slag off for being big emitters. So yeah, the, the Robert's campaign is saying we need to measure consumption. What's the, cons the, the carbon emissions related to the consumption in any given country, not the emissions within borders? Uh, important piece of work, I think. Then the following day, we had Navaleo Asembo, a real live African entrepreneur writing on the blog. Uh, um, she has a company making uh, running shoes for export. And she just wanted to you know, come in and say, actually, look, guys, if you really care about poverty reduction, about jobs about growth, about you know, boosting uh, African countries. People like me are pretty important. We're creating jobs, you know, we're, we're getting things off the ground. And it's really hard if you're a small or medium-sized exporter to get credit, capital, to get any of the business support. And actually she's ended up crowdfunding 
her work as uh, two rounds of crowdfunding to get the kind of investments she needs to be able to build up her, her company selling uh, running shoes uh, and exporting them around the world. So that was last week. Then this week um, has been a, a bumper week. Uh, the Google Analytics has gone off the charts this, this week because uh, we've had a number of posts which have really got people um, uh, provoked and thinking and so on. Started off with a post from my old boss, Mark Goldring, who recently left Oxfam in the wake of the Haiti scandal. Um, and he's a very reflective man. And he, he wrote uh, a piece, Six Things That INGOs Need to Fix that international NGOs need to fix if they're going to be fit for the future. Very thoughtful piece, and it's got huge numbers of hits by my, by my own low standards. So there's clearly a lot, still a lot of interest out there in, in just whether organisations are thinking ahead and getting ready for the, you know, the constant disruption which faces them. On Tuesday, I did a links I liked. I had a big backlog of tweets and things I'd read which I wanted to share. Um, one of my favourites was uh, that, that somebody's put together, I think the EU has put together a full list of the myths in the British press promulgated about the European Union. Yeah, everything from bendy bananas to you know, not being able to choose your children's names or whatever it is. Yeah, many of them by the tabloids. Um, and actually, sort of a, yeah, the steady drip, drip of which has really, I think, been a factor in Brexit. Um, and all each of these myths carefully rebutted by evidence-based people in Brussels at the European Commission. Um, somehow rather moving that they think that this you know, rebuttal and evidence and, and facts still matter, uh, and rather an extraordinary list. There are hundreds and hundreds of them. It's worth having a look. On Wednesday, Elizabeth Cowan from uh, Care International came in with a rant. She called it a rant. Uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't dare. Um, and the rant is about gender consultants and consultants in general and how a lot of organisations, NGOs, aid agencies have got into a kind of knee-jerk response of, if in doubt, call a consultant. Uh, and she thinks that that's actually a, often a monumental waste of money. Consultants don't do a particularly good job. They tell you what you want to hear. They repeat back to you what you tell them and then charge you loads of money. All sorts of objections. I've noticed this in Oxfam meetings where we get external speakers in and often the quality is really poor. You know, we can, we've got much better speakers internally, but because they're from, you know, a management consultant, everybody goes, oh, that's fantastic. Yes, gosh, agility, flexibility. That's a really brilliant idea. Um, and they're basically just spouting platitudes. So Elizabeth um, uh, has something more sort of productive and constructive to say, which is that Care International has set up a global gender cohort, which is really trying to develop its internal advisory capacity on gender in particular. Um, and uh, she sets out some interesting ideas about how they've done that and how they tried to make it as democratic and horizontal as possible and really use it as a way of building up their internal professional development and capacity and get off the consultant treadmill. Thursday, Maria Faciolince, my new colleague on From Poverty to Power, came in to announce we've finally chosen a name. We spent about a month kicking this around and we're, we're calling this initiative we have, which is to try and uh, source more content from uh, the Global South, uh, to have more content that challenges receive wisdom in the aid business, and basically to disrupt um, what has been up to now a rather northern dominated blog. And we're calling it Power Shifts. Um, uh, and Maria came on to explain that. We did a little podcast just to sort of talk through who she is and what she's planning uh, on this work. 
she's been doing this for a month now and we're having a fantastic time. It's been great fun. And she puts up a kind of alternative links that I liked set of resources that she's come across as she hoovers up vast amounts of ideas and information from across the world. Um, so that was Thursday's post. And then uh, on Wednesday, uh, um, the British government had a little um, blip, sacked the defence minister, had a reshuffle, and Rory Stewart became uh, International Development Secretary, the sort of the minister, the development minister for Britain. Um, and he's a fascinating man who um, I've had come along uh, for the last two years to talk, uh, to give a lecture at my LSE, uh, to my LSE students. And even though he's a minister, um, and he's actually been minister of prisons, he's so interested in development that he rocks up and just does an impromptu and utterly brilliant lecture on fragile states. Um, and what I reposted on Friday was a, um, a book review I did of a book he wrote in 2011, setting out his thinking on fragile states and Western intervention, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, and we've now got a development minister who is an intellectual, taught at Harvard, very smart, deeply committed to development, has spent considerable time in developing countries in different roles, and I'm really looking forward to the next few years to see how what a difference it makes to have a minister who really actually cares about aid and development um, uh, compared to some of the other people we've had in the past. So with that, I shall leave you. Have a good weekend. Sorry if this went on a big bit long, but it was two weeks to catch up on. OK, bye.